As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. The One Tough Mother Podcast. The One Tough Mother Show is real talk with special guests, including industry leaders, celebrities, and amazing women who've overcome adversities to work their way to the top and are willing to share their real life lessons. Remember, you don't have to be a mother to be one tough mother. It's all about you. Welcome to the One Tough Mother Show. Hey, 70 this week? 70-something this week? Yeah. What do you think? I was at the playground. Aw. Yelling at people. Oh, no. What happened? Um, let's see. First, the playground was attacked by a bunch of middle schoolers, which is never good. Um, and this one kid tried to... Uh, he's climbing on a net Talia was holding on to. This thing was spinning around. He's about to step on her hands like, what are you doing? Uh. Like, oh, move move your hands. Like, no, you go somewhere else. She doesn't move her hands. Oh, boy. And her pa- his parents are sitting there. He's like, I don't care. Uh, did parents say anything? No. No. No, I'm I'm like the psycho parent of the, na- of the whole town. <laughs> Well, because everyone else is on their phone. I got to parent all the kids there, and I got to make sure that, you know, these little um, a-holes are uh, kept in line. Are you, are you telling me the truth? Are all the parents really on their phone? Yeah. So, For like. Part, um, and then these big kids, these kids are the size of me, rustling around, came near uh, Alex and Talia. I'm like, hey, get away from my kids. I can't believe <laughs> so, it. Yeah, it's fun. So the people bring their their kids and they just sit there on their phone and no nobody pays attention to what the kids are doing. Well, the middle school kids, there's no parents there for them. They just they just came out of nowhere just like a bunch of animals. Oh, yeah. It's like they open the cages, right? Yeah. Yeah, I loved it though. I'll tell you what. I am so so ready. I can't take it. I'm ready. Wah. I know, but dude, it has been so crappy. I can't take another moment of crappy weather. I just need, I need beach. That's what I need. Right. You going to the beach this what? year? I hope so. Oh, yeah. I'm just totally into, wait, I meant, are you going to like the Diamond Head or something? Oh, you mean like Hilton Head? We'll see. I'm trying to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. We're going in uh, the first week in August. Oh, to the, what do you call it? The outer, outer, yeah, outer, outer banks. banks. You got room for six more? Uh, No, sorry. Okay, cool. All right. Thanks. 
All right, so with that being said, I'm going to get right into our today's guest because it's she's a, really was amazing. She's amazing. And I've watched her for quite a while on television. She's a, a political commentator that I enjoy watching and I, I enjoy, you know, her opinions on some things. And um, I want to get to know her better. And that's really the focus of One Tough Mother is to try to, to get to know people better and find out what their life lessons are in their life story. Today's guest is, she's an award-winning researcher, a Nigerian-American who was the first black woman to earn a PhD in public affairs from Rutgers University and is also a progressive political commentator. Dr. Wendy Isepo, a John Hopkins education professor, remains on a personal quest to manifest brighter futures for minorities and implement effective policies and programs throughout America. You know, she's a strong, talented black woman. Dr. Asepo presents herself as the change she wants to see and often provides commentary for CNN, MSNBC. I've seen her on Fox, ABC, BBC, Russian TV, the Washington Post, um, Business Insider, just to name a few. Those are, I mean, amazing where she's been. And as a commentator, or a contributor, I'm sorry, as a contributor for The Hill, and founder of the 1954 Equality Project, her love for politics and social justice is obvious, and her unprecedented drive to materialize her goals into reality make her a perfect role model for women and girls of color, or women and girls of any age, color, gen. it doesn't matter. She's an amazing woman, and she looks amazing just by, just I just have to tell you, she looks amazing. Dr. Wendy, Hello, Wendy. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm so excited to have you. You're just, I, I just said to you before we started the show, I, I follow you on Instagram and you just look, you just glow. You look amazing. Oh, oh. oh thank you so much. It's lots of wine back in the day. Yeah, back <laughs> I know because uh, now, I mean, you had, you were just at, um, I think it was Women Defined. Yes, Lead a Woman Defined, yes. In Laguna. you had this amazing dress on, and you made Pregnant look just so beautiful. Oh, thank you so much. I really do appreciate that. Oh, not a problem. So, Wendy, before we get started, I have to get your past, because the One Tough Mother Show is all about you, and I just don't, I don't know enough about your past. Tell us, like, I know you weren't born in the U.S. Tell us where you got your start. So I was born in Nigeria. I came to the States, meaning the United States of America, when I was just three years old. I was a toddler. And, you know, I really grew up all up and down the eastern seaboard, so to speak, right? So I lived in the South. I lived in North Carolina, lived in New York. Um, then my family finally settled in Maryland. And throughout the time that I was born, I was just always aware of people's differences. Like I love just paying attention to people's accents. I love paying attention to the where people work. And so I've always had a very big interest in people. And that has led me to the work I do now, where I try to help people through social justice, 
justice, through informing them when it comes to politics, and even through the ways in which we look at immigrants, because sometimes we have this, um, I, I don't want to say nefarious, but just this negative stereotype of what immigrants are and who they are, and just letting people know that we are all different. Even in the United States, we all come from different backgrounds, but those differences are what make us unique, and those differences are what make our experiences unique as well. So just highlighting those things has been like the bedrock of my career and my personal lifelong goal. It, that you have such an amazing career in such a short period of time. And I say that because you're so beautiful and so young. I mean, you've earned a PhD in public affairs from Rutgers. Um, you, were, you are a professor at John Hopkins at, in education. You do all this commentating. You do CNN, MSNBC, Fox. I mean, you're everywhere. And you even have the 1954 Equality Project that you work on. Plus... Plus, and I hate to say this, a wife and mother of two sons. <laughs> Where yeah. the hell, sister, do you find all this time? I don't know. I'm just making it day by day. Um, I, I wear multiple hats, and it really comes from my background. You know, we spoke, uh, we touched upon that a little bit. But, you know, my mom, my mom wore multiple hats. Well, I literally was in attendance at my mom's college graduation. So I saw her working full time. I saw her going to college. I saw her being a mom and a wife. And so for me, the only speed I know is go because that seems normal for me. But I also push back on that because even though go is 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 a good thing and is admired by people and it gets a lot accomplished, you also have to find time for yourself. And so that's what I'm trying to do in this new iteration of my life. Just finding little pockets of time throughout my hectic schedule where I can just focus on myself. But also another thing that I think is really important is making sure that whenever I'm doing commentary on CNN or if I'm being a mom or wife or a professor job. Hopkins, I'm focusing on that thing, right? Um, I think we have a tendency to be present, but not necessarily there, if that makes sense. That's so I, true. So I could be commentating on something and I'm thinking, oh God, did I bring out the, the meat for dinner? And I, <laughs> I don't want to be that person. So um, I'm trying to do a good job juggling, but also do a good job being present. I, I, that is so, so true. I have been there a million times. And then I kind of chastise myself for that. I'm like, wait, get back in here. Get back where you're supposed to be. <laughs> right. Our minds are so divided. And I'm not, I'm going to say as women, I am going to say that. As women, our minds get, I think, more divided than men. I don't know yeah. because I've never been a man, but I did raise three sons. And I don't, <laughs> oh, wow. And I, I'm telling you right now, I believe that. You led me right into my next question, which was, influence like your biggest influence is your mom i think that is amazing yeah my mom is my biggest influence and i know that's a some that might sound so cliche because of course you know mommies are great uh, but my mom has just been this great example of who i want to be as a mom but also who i want to be in my professional life just her ability to achieve things that most people say it, it, it cannot be done you know um and she works so hard and she continues to work so hard and she does it all without complaining and i think that that's the key is her ability just to juggle so many different hats and do it so gracefully. Um, and, and I'm Nigerian. And so why I always bring that up is there's different cultural standards and different um, um, cultural norms that come with what women are expected to do. And when I say my mom continuously blows it out the ballpark, 
I, I, I cannot underscore that enough. Like, you know, as women, you're just expected to be a wife and a mom. And, and nothing else but she told myself and my sister it's great to be a mom it's great to be a wife but you know it's it's important what comes before your name which is like mrs or miss or whatever but she said it's also important what comes after your name whether that's you know md esquire phd and i always took that with me so i went to as much school as i can and my sister's a surgeon so i think we did pretty well <laughs> Your mom's incredible, and you're you're right. You know, bringing up Nigeria because your mother was born and raised there, correct? Yes, yes. So she was. had ingrained, um, tra- I mean, things ingrained in her socially that she had to to abide by, correct? Absolutely, absolutely. There's so many different things that come with not just being Nigerian, but then expectations of when you come from Nigeria and then you come to America. And what that means is, you know, you just don't have the responsibility of taking care of yourself, which was her primary task when she came to the States to go to college. But now with all of your wealth of newly acquired knowledge, you have to now reach back and take care of your family back home. And that's a heavy lift if you think about college years and you're just, you know, 19 or 20. That is a very heavy lift but she managed to do it and she continues to do it she never let herself or myself and my siblings forget where we come from um we go back home often we speak the language we eat the food so it's a big part of who she is but also a very big part of who i am that is so amazing i love that so your mother is truly one tough mother so much (laughs) i was um a former military wife so i've lived all over the world as well Mm. so where you come from and what's ingrained in you from childhood sometimes isn't what people accept so it's difficult to sometimes step into a culture like your mother did and and basically like you did and your sister and just really embrace it Mm -hmm. especially when you have a personality like yours like your personality is you love change and seeing the change in people, correct? Absolutely. I love change. I love seeing the change in people. And it's a delicate dance trying to balance all of that stuff. Um, but but what I always lead with is what do I want my legacy to be? You know, um, I, you spoke about being a mom of three boys. I have two little ones and I'm expecting right now. And I just always think about what I want the world to be for them. And, and my goal, and I know this sounds so like mushy and fluffy, but I really want the world to be better for them than it was for me. And I just feel like that's the greatest gift we can give to our children is, is just a better world and also instilling in them confidence to know that they too can make a difference. And I always, you know, tell people when I give these speeches, I always say, you know, people often ask what would they have done during, you know, um, civil rights movement? What would they have done during, you know, the protests against the Vietnam War or, or the fight for equality when it comes to gender equality? Or, or when it comes to sexual orientation, the answer is exactly what you're doing right now. We all have a place in society. We all have a role to play. And the question is, what is going to be your legacy and what is going to be your story when all is said and done? So I just hope I'm a good story for myself and one that my children will be proud of. I, I'm just, I'm so in all of you because it is so, so very, very true. I mean, raising uh, three sons and a daughter, and I, I'm very, very blessed. My my kids are very successful, and I'm, I'm very blessed by that. But mm-hmm. the fact that they're successful in business as well as a personality, they're 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 the kind of people that um, my boys would see some older lady raking her leaves, they'd stop the car and get out and rake. My mm-hmm. daughter would carry groceries to someone's car. They're the kind of people that really 
really care about other people. And that's so important in this world. And I, I wasn't going to really get deep into this and we don't have to get deep into it, but I have to bring it up because you are the mother of sons. I am the mother of sons. We have a responsibility to teach our sons how we, they need to treat women. Yes. Oh my goodness. Um, I, I wish I can put 20 exclamation marks behind that point. Um, but you're absolutely right. And I take it as, as something that I, I, I am always aware of is how my boys will treat women. And, you know, my husband and I were very affectionate. And even my six-year-old, he even says now, like, you know, when I, when, I, when I have my wife, and it's so interesting to see the ways in which just us being close and a very tight-knit family impacts them. Um, but I really want them to appreciate women. I want them to... Uh, you know, respect women. And I want them to look at women as their equals. And so my husband, he's an attorney. He works all the time. So the boys are always like, you know, daddy's at work, daddy's at work. And I often have to be the one to take them to school and pick them up. And the other day, my son was said, mommy, you always pick me up, but do you go to work? And I said, I you go to work. Every time you see mommy on TV, that's work for me. And every time you see me grading papers, that's work. And he said, well, that's good. Mommy and daddy both go to work. And that matters to me. I want them to see me in the role, not just cooking their dinner or bringing up their clothes or doing their laundry, but also making a way for myself because that also lends to the ways in which they respect women and see them as equals. And that's important. That is so important. And, and, and when my kids were growing up, they, they too would be like, well, mom, you have to go to work and I'm on my way to work. And I used to tell them, you know, they, there was a, a program in school where you saved your allowance and you could buy something at the end of this period of time. And mm -hmm. I called the school and I said, we don't get allowance. We talk to each other in our families because that's, that's right. your job. That's I don't right. I don't pay you to clean your room. I don't pay you to take out the trash. You do that because that's your responsibility to part of the family. Absolutely. And I think that's the way I think, I mean, I don't have any, I mean, by any means, I don't have all the answers, but I, I do believe that if we teach our children as women, our sons to respect and, and see how hard we work and how, how much we put into our, our families, our heart and soul, I think it's going to make a big difference in this world further on. Absolutely. I cannot agree more. And, and I just think that that's about, you know, we often say, what is the landscape or what is the footprint in society, but it's really about changing the narrative and how we all have a part to play in changing that narrative. And I think that, you know, the example you just gave is a prime example of how you can rewrite the narrative and change it for future generations to come. Without a doubt, without a doubt. And you should never, I never let the kids, I never sheltered them from if we struggled on something. If we struggled on something, we struggled as a family and we worked it out as a family. And I think that gives kids a, a sense of belonging and a sense of realism when they get into their life. Absolutely. You know, I grew up in what is now considered like a middle class family, but it was not always roses. There were lots of struggles and the fact that my mom you know shared that with us and we were a part of that also made me a stronger person and a stronger um, woman and allowed me to know my mom always said and I carry this with me tough times don't last 
but tough people do. And so even when I go through anything in life, if it's a tough time, I know it's only temporary. And, you know, one day soon the, the sun will come out again. So even going through the struggle together as a family has made me stronger and has made me even more optimistic. And was your father, your father wasn't with your mother at the time? He was, he was, he was with my mom for a little bit and then they separated, but then my mom got remarried when I was 15. Okay. So um, I had maybe like a lapse of six years where I didn't have a father figure in the house, but um, my mom did get remarried and so we had a father figure in the house. Um, but I, I, I still talk to my birth father till today. Um, unfortunately, about four years ago, my stepfather passed away. But I just am so blessed to have had two men in my life who care deeply about me and who played a role in my life as well. That, that's just, it's so important. And yeah. I know as a, for most of the time my kids grew up, I was a single mother. And mm. the result of that is you, there's two ways you can work that. You can work that that we don't have anything in the system, the system, the system. Or you can say, we're going we're gonna to work together and we're going to pull this through. And I right. think people get pigeonholed. They believe what society feeds them. And they don't try to look outside of that. And a lot of times you, you've got to look outside your waist or like your mother said, you know, tough times don't last, but tough people do. And you've got to pull it together and really work towards some common goal. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and what she said about people getting pigeonholed is absolutely true because she could have easily said, you know, I'm a foreigner to the country. I'm now by myself. I'm going to rely on the system, but she never did. And she really said, I'm going to make a difference and I'm not going to be a statistic. And, you know, I just admire that about her and just how, you know, what, even people back home expected from her because, you know, she was no longer married. They thought that that was like the beginning of her demise ended up being that very reason is why she mustered up enough strength and pushed through because she would not let anyone define her or define her circumstances. Yeah. That's just amazing. Wendy, do you still have that? You still have your show things to know with Wendy O, right? Yes, I do. I do. I do. Yeah. It's, I think that's very cool. And when do, when do you get a chance to do that? I try to do it twice a week if I'm able to. Um, it, it, it airs on 92Q and 93.9, um, both of which can be found online during the 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Hour, where I just let people know um, what is going on in the land of politics and how politics intersects with culture. So that's something I love to do when, when I do have time. Your love for politics blows me away because, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I love listening to you. I love listening to the commentary, but it, I get a lot of information, a lot of bits and pieces. You know, everybody has to digest it differently. So I get a lot of bits and pieces, and a lot of information. However, you're so versed. You must read from the second you get up to the second you go to bed. Oh my goodness. I wish I did. I don't. Um, <laughs> I just don't have enough time, but but I do believe that, you know, sometimes they say if, if you're passionate about something, it's not work anymore. So I find myself just taking in information in different forms, whether it's, you know, watching different cable news outlets, whether it's listening to different podcasts, or as you mentioned, you know, reading different articles. I get my news on the go. And then the interesting thing is I then translate my news through my own lens and say, what does this mean for me and how does this impact me? And then that's how I like to inform people. I'm, whenever I'm given the platform to do so is, you know, this is what's going on, but most importantly, this is why it matters. And that's the big piece. 
That's really great. Tell us a little bit, just to give us an overview or, or give us some information about the 1954 Equality Project, what you're doing. Sure. So um, the name is symbolic for me because 1954 is named after um, Brown versus the Board of Education when the Supreme Court ruled that separate can never be equal. And so what I have found is that a lot of times as an educator, Students of color and even uh, gender minorities, be that women, have different college experiences or different educational experiences overall than their white counterparts or their male counterparts. And so since the Brown versus Board decision found that separate can never be equal, to make sure that all of us are having the same educational experiences that are rich in quality. And so what my... Uh, organization does is we provide workshops, mentorships, we come in, we do different analysis for schools, just to make sure that what they're offering for their students are equitable all across the board. So a lot of times you find institutions focus on diversity, and while that may seem like a buzzword, it doesn't really help people if you're diverse, but once you get to a, a place, you feel like you're by yourself. So I try to turn the narrative on its head and say, let's stop focusing on diversity for a second, and let's start focusing on inclusivity. How do people from different backgrounds feel when they are in your community. And if they feel like outsiders, then you're not doing a good job. So how do we make sure that everyone feels like this community is a shared space? So that is the goal of the 1954 Equity Project to ensure that all people, regardless of race and gender, have equitable educational outcomes. I love that because not only that, for that reason, but I see there's so much prejudice in so many different areas of the world or so many different areas of life like ageism like i see people who you know hit their 50s and lost their job or their company shut down or their company was acquired and they've lost their position they can't get a job and i was just talking right. to boy gordon last show about this she's um the global ceo for dress with for success and mm. it's real it is real mm. and mm. people have worked years and years and years and they can't they can't even get an interview and it's sad yeah it's really sad it's really sad how you see just this differential treatment amongst people and just experiences and and you know I, I guess my goal is always just to make sure everyone has a good experience even though that might sound so utopian a thought but I just want to make sure everyone has a good experience because we're only on this earth for a short time and the worst feeling is to be treated differently or to be treated ill by your fellow mankind and just to ensure that you know i'm i'm trying to mitigate that in any way i find possible i love that you give that a voice so when as a mother as as a professional as a professor as everything that you are what advice do you have for the 19, 20 year old, 25 year old in college or wherever they may be, what what do you tell these girls? Hmm. Well, two things, right? Um, I don't think that we all have to necessarily be mothers, but what I would say is I think one of the greatest lies that society has told us as women is we have to pick between career and family. Boom. Yep. Think in this day and age, you do not have to pick. You do not. If you ever wonder when they have the conversation of work-life balance, it's always towards women. And I find that really a slap in the face. Women can be effective in the boardroom as well as effective at home. 
So do not let society's standards become your personal standards of yourself. And so that will be the first thing I will tell them. And then the second thing I will tell them is just to make sure that wherever you are, to grow where you're planted. I think we get so consumed with where we want to be and who we want to be that we do not enjoy the moment of where we are. Every stage in life, every position is going to make you better for what's next. So while you are at your current stage, whether that's a student, whether that's an intern, um, whether that's you know an assistant um, position, enjoy that space and say, what can I learn from this space I'm in? And if you do those things, I think that life will definitely show you a big rainbow at the end. I, I think you're so true. And I know when I speak, one of the things I always like to tell young women is that every level of your life will demand a different you. Yes. You must be fluid. You must change. I mean, it's growth. It's learning. It's, it's all about you do not... So if someone says to me, well, I saw you a couple of years ago. Wow, you've really changed. I'm always like, thank you. Like, hey, <laughs> excellent. <laughs> you know, unless you're saying I look older. Other than that, hey. <laughs> Absolutely. I agree with that 120%. <laughs> because you really, every level, you do not have to be the same person. Every level of your life demands a different you. And you need to present that and you need to embrace it so you can get further. Absolutely. I could not agree with that even more. That's that's spot on. Absolutely. Well, Wendy Yusefa, I'm so pleased and so honored to have had you on the show. And I have to ask you, when do you do? I am due in August. August, So I will be trekking along with this belly all summer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> my daughter was born August 20th, so I understand. Oh. Oh, that's my wedding anniversary, so she must be amazing. <laughs> oh, she is. She's very amazing. In fact, she has a four-year-old and a nine-week-old, and um, oh she's like, oh, my, they're both, they both have a cold right now, and she's like, Mom, I mean, two of them have a cold, and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, yeah, well, I had four that were sick at one time. <laughs> but no, it's, a, it's great. Can, uh, congratulations to you and your husband and to your sons because having another member of the family is just an amazing situation, and thank you again for being a guest on our show. The One Tough Mother Podcast. Real talk with amazing women who have worked their way to the top and want to share their real life lessons with you. And we're back. We've got headaches and headlines, and there's a lot. And I, before we get into it, I just have to say I'd be remiss if I didn't say, um, you know, our hearts and prayers are, are with the people of New Zealand. I, I hate this. I hate it. Every time it happens, another shooting makes me sick to my stomach. And um, I, I, I don't, there's no one that understands it, I don't think, right? Well, people try to politicize it and blame other, blame people for it. It's just, you know, I don't know how you can do that, but it's. Um, I know. It's, it, it just makes me terrible. I'm just, again, I hope, I mean, it just I, it makes me sad really bad because here's what happens. I'm always afraid when there's one because then there's two and then there's three. Well, they've been happening over and over for several years now, so. I know. It makes me sick to my stomach. Well. Yep. I wish, I wish these people would just kill themselves. Yeah. Actually, I do too. I mean, it, it's, it's just sad. It's just, and then to do the things you do and then record it, it just. You're just out for glory, dude. You're just out for glory. Oh, yeah, I agree. Uh, it's a lot so, of sick people out there, fortunately. It yeah. doesn't seem like it's uh, – don't see any end in sight. No, and, our, and again, our hearts and prayers are with everyone there. 
Definitely. All right, let's get into this. Um, the fastest growing jobs in the U.S. Solar panel work, which typically pays about $39,490 to be exact, and does not require post-secondary education, is expected to be the fastest growing job in the U.S. In the coming years, according to projections from the Bureau of Labor Statistics for 2016 through 2026, the highest paying profession on the fastest growing list is physician assistants, who make about $104,860. Wow. So the solar is like what? It seems like that's like a, a, a manual labor kind of job, which which is not bad money, I guess, for that. Right. I mean, we I, they're all over here now. I mean, you know, I live out in the boonies, and I see tons and tons and tons of houses with them on now. Well, it makes sense. My neighbor has like a ton, and he says he makes money back from the electric company. Makes money back. Yeah, you get money. They buy the they buy the energy off of you. Oh wow! Yeah, I really looked into it. It's like, but it was like thirty. My house is perfect for because of the height and its position that the way it's positioned, but um. The fact of the matter is it's like 30 plus thousand dollars. Yeah, it's it's a lot to lay out. And you have to put up you have you know you have to have all the the uh, space for the equipment. It just wasn't it's just not something I can do at this time. All right, let me know when you're let me know when you're ready. All right, thanks. Cool. No blame for Uber in fatal crash. Uber is not criminally li- criminally liable for last year's fatal crash in Arizona involving one of its self-driving cars. Per Yavapai County attorney, who said that it found no basis for criminal liability over the accident killing one pedestrian. However, the car's backup driver could still face vehicular manslaughter charges. The incident led Uber and other autonomous vehicle companies to temporarily suspend testing. Well, it's not, you know, it's not like uh, people driving cars don't hit and kill people. Right, right, exactly. You know, it's such new new technology it's so crazy i i mean i don't know there's there's always going to be something some issue with it you know it's not it's not controllable well um just another note about uber and and these shared uh drive company companies um paul viola says you should never do a shared ride never a share ride no why is that you don't know who you're getting the car with Mm, you're right. Yeah, it's a little crazy. Yeah. So I just want to note out there for you people. Yeah, you did it though, right? I did, yeah, because I'm just a, I'm a rebel. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, actually, oh, that's that, that's funny. You just reminded me. I locked my keys in the car on Saturday when I was taking uh, my oldest to a baseball tryout. Oh. Yeah, that was fun. So I had to get an Uber to home to get the other keys and then go back, Uber back. Well, you don't yeah. have AAA? It was faster to get Uber. I have to get keys. Are you going to bust into the car? No, I'm going to wait for them. Um, I have coverage, yeah, but I, I had to get them to, uh, what do you call it? I wasn't that far from my house, so. Um, well, I'm glad I'm fun. glad that you got your other set of keys. That sucks, though. That's the worst feeling when, when you shut the door and you go, oh. Well, it's like I had my jacket in there and the wallet was in the jacket and it was windy and the people next to me were getting their car. And I was like, next thing you know, my keys were on the seat and I was locked in, locked uh. out. Yeah, good times, good times. <laughs> hey, let's talk about really cool stuff like nasal spray. Oh, yeah. Yeah, nasal spray antidepressant is approved. Wow. Wow. That sounds, that sounds scary. That does sound scary. 
The FDA has approved a nasal spray antidepressant. Johnson & Johnson's Esketamine. Sounds a lot like ketamine, which is a special K. Yikes. Uh, the first new treatment in more than 30 years will be sold under the, the name Sprav- Spravodo. Where do they come up with these names? I don't know. They're so ridiculous. Oh, look. I was right. It's a chemical cousin of ketamine. Uh-huh. The fast-acting drug is restricted to patients resistant to other treatments and must be taken at a medical facility to prevent abuse. Oh, geez. Some 16 million Americans live with depression. Currently available treatments are ineffective in 30 to 40% of patients. Wow. Yeah. That's um, crazy. I, I'm, I'm starting to get very like desensitized to that because every single person I think I know, maybe aside from you, is taking something for depression. I'm not. I just I just welcome depression. Yes. You know? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, you and I are uh, like the only two people on earth <laughs> that don't take anything. I'm not depressed. depressed. No, I feel I no, I, I think like I wonder how many what percent of people who are on this medication actually need it. That's what scares me. I know there are people who are clinically depressed and need and need medication, but I don't think a lot of them do. Okay. That's my opinion, and I'm I'm not a doctor. I just play one on TV. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, shut up. Uh, secretive health venture unveiled. The secretive healthcare venture backed by Amazon, Berkshire Hathaway, and J.P. Morgan Chase launched a website Wednesday announcing its name, Haven and Mission. CEO Atul Gawande wrote in a letter on Haven's website that they will work to make patient care and costs better. We will create new solutions and work to change systems, technologies, contracts, policy, and whatever else is in the way of better healthcare, he added. The website also says that they want to use data and technology to improve the healthcare system. We talked about this a long time ago. I'm glad it's finally coming to fruition. Yeah, I hope this. I hope this is going to be something really big and helps a bazillion people. Me too. Healthcare is so expensive. Uh, yeah, I'm paying. Uh, yes, you know, after like they take it out of my check, I actually owe the company I work for money. Yeah. Yeah, that's how expensive it is. Okay, a safer way to decline an invitation. Oh, okay. Telling someone you can't make it an event because you don't have the time is more likely to fray your relationship than other excuses, writes Ohio State's Grant Donnelly. That's likely to become the no time excuse suggests uh, you don't care to make time, according to Donnelly's research. To keep your relationships on good terms, you're better off citing mat- matters of money or lack of energy, two factors that people perceive as less in our control than time. You know, this is where the white lies come in, right? right. You got li- to have a good white lie. Do you, do you have like a standard go-to? Um, well, now I just got the kids and everything. So I was like, I, I don't go out. I can't make it. Right, right. You know, once you have a kid, you have like a lifetime of white lies. Yeah, right. I, I don't feel good. I can't make it. I'm sorry. You know. The kid's you don't sick. Say the kid's time. not feeling good. The kid didn't sleep the night before. Yeah, what's no time? That means like. You have to make – you can't say you don't have any time. You have to say you have other plans or something. Right, exactly. So if you called me I said, hey, Seth, I'm making a big dinner. I'm having all these peeps over. Why don't you come over with the family? And you say, oh, I don't have time. Oh, the, the family? Like, what are you serving? <laughs> <laughs> what are you making? Who's going to be there? <laughs> I don't know. It's just – that's whatever. Just be – you know, just try to let people down easy. Right. Yeah, because no one can handle the truth. No one. You can't handle the truth. You can't handle the truth. Right. Yes. Fire-resistant homes show promise. Oh, that sounds promising. 
Fire-resistant houses are being trialed in an effort to mitigate the effects of wildfires, which scorched a record number of U.S. homes last year, including 14,000 in California alone, notes CNBC. The Insurance Institute for Business and Home Safety is creating new materials and non-combustible landscaping that are said to prevent homes from burning down as fast as those built with traditional materials. The insurance industry has good reason to explore ways to prevent homes from burning down. They're massively expensive for both insurers and their customer. How about that? Right. Well, I yeah. I shot a commercial um, probably 15 years ago in a house in, in L.A., up in the mountains of L.A., and it was absolutely, unbelievably stunning, this home. And he built the entire home in glass and steel because when he was a kid, his family house burnt down. Wow. The house was amazing. Amazing. It was in the hills of Beverly Hills. I mean, it was amazing. And it was all glass and steel. And the wolf couldn't get it to budge at all. Not, could not get it to budge. No way. Okay. Do you need to love your job? Steve Jobs famously told Stanford graduates that they have to find jobs they love. Eat, pray, love author Elizabeth Gilbert disagrees, saying, it's perfectly fine to people to just have a job. Not everybody needs to have a capital C career because you can have a whole life outside of that, she told LinkedIn. Instead, Gilbert suggests seeing a job as a pathway to a greater passion. She relied on a series of jobs while she was trying to make it as a writer, for example. Oh, well, thanks, Elizabeth. Well, everybody's done a million jobs before you found a job you really, really loved, right? Right. Yeah, not everyone can get Julia uh, Roberts to play them in a movie. <laughs> right. Ugh. <laughs> no, it's a cool book, actually. And um, Yeah, it's a cool movie. Yeah, and it's just, you know, getting get your mind around, worry about the simple things in life. Don't get too complicated. Right. You know, and um, I don't know. And even when you have a good job, it's like you don't always love it all the time. There's things, you know, you can't, you just got to put your best foot forward in whatever you're doing. I have to say this because it just bugs the crap out of me. So I'm putting it out there. People are too freaking pampered. No, oh, that's for sure. All right. All right. If you're not happy every day. Okay. If when? you're not happy with your peanut butter and jelly sandwich. If you're not happy with your shoes. If you're not happy with your job. It's not, you're not going to die if you're not happy every second of every day. Well, I quote Billy Joel. He said, go cry in your coffee, but don't come bitching to me. Right. Like, get over it. You know, grow a shell. I mean, come on, be a little bit tough. Stop always complaining about every stinking thing. Or just look at the bright side of things. How about that? Yeah. I, I don't get that. I don't get it at all. Gosh darn it. All right. Well, that's that's our lesson for today. That's um, it. Building a better stop sign. Okay. Researchers at the University of Texas in San Antonio have developed a solar-powered stop sign that can flash a light at the right moment to make sure drivers don't roll past the sign altogether, raising the risk of an accident, which uh, that happened when I was in my dad's car when I was a kid. This Porsche ran a stop sign and crashed into us. Oh, my God. My son was just in an accident. Some woman lost him in the sun, ran the stop sign, and T-boned him. Nice. Is he okay? Yeah, he's fine. Thank you. Is the car okay after your son, like, bounced into it? I'm sorry? Is the car okay? No. Totally wrecked. Yeah. Um, 
This sign uses infrared sensors to detect the vehicle type and its velocity, allowing it to trigger a light at the right time to allow a safe stop. Some 54% of U.S. traffic deaths occur on rural, rural roads. That's my favorite word. Rural. 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 According to New Atlas, um, in many cases, those accidents come from drivers missing stop signs. Yeah. I mean, you do lose. Sometimes you lose it in the sun. But, yeah. That's cool stuff. That was a cool thing about the cool thing. That is cool. Good. That's when technology it's, it's a win for technology. Right. Self-driving cars. No. No. Awesome stop signs. Yes. 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 Okay. Dri- Speaking of which, a driverless food delivery put to test. To cut labor costs, food companies such as Domino's Pizza are now testing autonomous delivery. That comes as restaurants and grocers are struggling to make a profit from food delivery. The Wall Street Journal reports. Uh, to lower customers, prices are typically lower than the actual cost of delivery, and that mismatch leaves restaurants and grocers holding the bag. Amazon's purchase of Whole Foods and rollout grocery delivery further complicates matters, forcing grocers to compete with the retail juggernaut. Oh, boy. Right now. I don't know what's happening. Somebody's going to steal your pizza every time. I don't care. All right. Well, listen, that's all headlines and headaches, okay? Now I actually have a headache. Yeah. (laughs) You do. You actually sound congested. I am congested. Really congested. My whole family's getting sick. It's oh, terrible. You're gonna Lysol, Lysol, new toothbrushes, open the windows and get out the germs. Uh, okay. That's Thanks. just my suggestion. Okay, well right. again, thank you, Dr. Wendy Acefo. Um, thank you for, for giving us some insight into who you are and, and your and your amazing life. We we really appreciate having you on the show and your time. Yeah, I know how busy you are. And um again, congratulations on you know, the new baby on the way. We hope it's a girl because you have two boys, but if you have another son, that's fine too. I have three sons and a daughter, so we just hope it's a healthy baby. We'll be following you to see what, what goes on with that. In the meantime, Mother Says is, don't blame the clown for acting like a clown. Blame yourself for going to the circus. Get it? I thought um. this was the greatest one. Don't blame the clown for acting like a clown. Blame yourself for going to the circus. Think about that, people. True story. Anyway, have a great week, everybody. We hope the weather gets better. We think it's going to get warmer every day. And we have an amazing show next week. You'll be extremely excited. We will talk to you then.